Good morning, City Light. How are you guys doing? Can we try that again? Good morning, City Light. How are you guys doing? Yes, much better. Hey, my name is Jason, as Joe said. Uh, I'm currently a church planning resident over in Council Bluffs, and but I'm also one of the co-pastors of City Light Kansas City, right? So that's something to celebrate. Uh, we're excited about that. Um, yeah. And uh, kind of like as Joe said, before we moved to Council Bluffs, uh, my wife and our four kids, we were in Pittsburgh where I was a pastor there for four years. And then we began to feel God calling us back to uh, God's country in the Midwest, right? Where, where it just it's more beautiful here and uh, the people are better. So we felt a call to the Midwest and we also felt a call to church planning. So that journey uh, since we were in Pittsburgh has been uh, pretty exciting and pretty scary. Kind of both of those, exciting and scary. It almost feels like I was sharing with Gavin once, I feel like we've kind of jumped off the high dive uh, and we're not sure how deep the pool is or if we have a parachute on. But it's kind of this scary moment, but we see Jesus all in this, so we're pretty excited about that. Um, and this church, you guys, sent two guys out, Doug and Eric, uh, what, roughly two years ago to plant City Light Council Bluffs. And now that church, City Light Council Bluffs, is helping us plant City Light Kansas City. So that means that the work and the commitment and the prayer and the giving you guys have done as a church to help multiply disciples and churches is going further than maybe you even dreamed it would, right? So the work that you've dedicated to in the Omaha metro area is now spilling south to Kansas City. So we're excited about that. Um, and it's thank you guys so much for your faith, for your giving, for your prayers, for your commitment to seeing Jesus made much of, to see gospel-centered, spirit-empowered, Jesus-loving churches, right? We want to keep that movement going. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, and like Joe said, Eric and I are going down to, uh, to, to Kansas City every week. We have one city group that needs to multiply. It's kind of, if you've been in a city group, you know that feeling, that, that excitement when you're kind of busting at the seams. That's where we are in that city group. Um, and we had our first interest meeting in June where we had about 35 people come out to that. And then July 2nd is going to be our second interest meeting. And we're expecting about 60 people to be at that. Right? So uh, one of the ways you can help us out is continue to pray for us. Uh, we feel like this vision is too big for us. So we need the spirit to do this. We need God to show up. Also, uh, if you know people in Kansas City, connect us to them. Right? We're, we're trying to make connections in the city. So if you know somebody, even if you're like, well, they're already going to a church, we're just wanting to make connections uh, and to get to know the city better. And the city is made of people. So please connect us. Or maybe the spirit is stirring your heart and you're like, man, I feel like I need to go to Kansas City. Right? Well, if that's you, we would love to talk to you uh, after this gathering and um, just see what God has in store. So who would have thought for you guys, the work you were committed to as City Light, would impact a pastor in Pittsburgh, right? So thank you. I'm thrilled to be here. It's a privilege and honor to get to speak to you guys from God's word. Um, and I'm going to be in Romans 8, verses 5 through 13. And the reason why this text is so important uh, and what I feel like the Spirit has to say to us through this text is that I'm assuming that in this room, there are people who have been following Jesus for a long time. You've probably got decades of following Jesus under your belt. And then there's some of you who maybe you've only been following Jesus for a short time. 
But what we all have come to know is that there are times when following Jesus can be a bit of a struggle. There's a bit of a battle that happens in us. And it's not so much a battle of stuff out there that's sort of um, tripping us up, but it's stuff in here, right? We battle with ourselves, right? Our own desires, our own uh, passions. Uh, I know when I was in Bible college, I ended up dropping out of Bible college, which I usually don't put on my resume, right? Bible college dropout does not show up there. But dropped out of Bible college, I quit following Jesus, um, and that happened for decades, where I just was not in the church, I wasn't following Jesus, and then by God's grace, His Spirit drew me back. But what happened was, I had some, I mean, I picked up some baggage along the way, I could put it that way, uh, some habits, some addictions, and uh, when I tried to follow Jesus again, uh, before I didn't have these issues, and now I did, so I felt like I would make sort of a one step forward and two steps back early on and following Jesus again. Uh, so an example of that would be I had a group of friends that I had spent a lot of time with, and I'm following Jesus again. And they would call me up and they'd say, hey, Jay, let's go out for a drink. And I would say, well, that sounds great. I'll go out with you for a drink. And then multiple drinks later, uh, I'd wake up the next day because I drank way too much, a little hungover, and... Um, my voice sounded like the kid from The Exorcist because I smoked multiple packs of cigarettes, right? It was just like this regress in my life of following Jesus, and I felt um, sort of just bummed out and like I didn't have any traction, and I would ask God to forgive me. I'd get going again, and then I'd have a few weeks under my belt where I thought, I got this down. I don't struggle with this anymore. They would call me up and invite me out again, and guess what? I'd go out again, and I'd take two steps back, and it was this kind of back and forth, and so... Maybe for you, it's not that, right? It's probably not going out and getting drunk with your friends. Uh, maybe it's more like anger or lust or greed. Maybe it's some old addiction or old behavior that kind of pops up once in a while. Anybody been there before? A few of you. Yes, thank you. The first service, nobody. They were all perfect saints. So thank you guys for being much more real. Uh, and what Paul is going to do is he's going to sort of lay out this battle for us that we've all been a part of, that not only I've experienced, but I'm sure you've experienced. And if you haven't yet, get ready, because you will, right? And some of us, I would assume most of us in this room, we want to grow in our love of Jesus. We want to grow in what it is to follow him and obey him. And so what Paul's going to do is he's going to lay this out for us, how we fight this fight, right? The battle between the flesh and the spirit, right? So we have this battle between the flesh and the spirit. And this is kind of how Paul launches. There's sort of two ways, right? The fleshly way and the spiritual way. So if you would look with me at verses five and six, where Paul describes this person driven by the flesh and the person driven by the spirit. He says, for those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit, set their minds on the things of the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. So what Paul's doing is he's making this comparison, right? Two types of people, those who live and think according to the flesh and those who live and think according to the spirit. One way leads to death, one way leads to life. And what happens for us as Christians is we, we sometimes kind of we get a little bit of the flesh, we get a little bit of the spirit, and we kind of go back and forth. We have this sort of swaying that happens, right? And Paul's going to call us 
to live in the spirit and not in the flesh. And when Paul says the flesh, it's Paul's way of talking about our sinful nature or the sinful part of ourselves, a part of us that likes to sin, loves to sin. Uh, And in verses 7 through 8, he continues this way. He says, For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So Paul makes this huge statement right there. He says that those who live and think according to the flesh, uh, the sinful part of ourselves, right? it's hostile to God, and it does not want to submit to God. Right? It does not. And the flesh is this way of thinking and living that leads to death. Uh, one of my best friends uh, has been involved in a 12-step group for years. And uh, he's been uh, a sponsor. He's had years of sobriety. And one of the conversations we've had, we've had numerous conversations around addiction and just 12-step culture. And here's what I've learned from him. He, he said, the moment someone loses their sobriety, right, when they finally, like, they mess up, it doesn't happen the moment they take that drink or uh, maybe they take drugs or they bring money and put it at a, a casino table or they get online. It doesn't happen there. That's not the moment when they lose their sobriety. The moment they lose their sobriety happens moments earlier when they start to have this battle in their mind. He says they will start debating on whether or not they should act on those desires. And he says that if they don't call right away, so as soon as they have the thought of maybe I should get a drink, he says what will happen is they'll begin to debate with themselves. They'll begin to have this argument saying, ah, it'll just be one Ah, but last time, no, but ah, maybe. He said, if they don't call right away, almost every time, those people, they lose their sobriety, right? It's in their thinking. Uh, When they start to entertain the thought of getting a drink, looking at porn, going to the casino, he said, if they don't make that call right away, right then, almost every time they lose their sobriety. And our sinful nature is very similar. It's sort of like this belligerent, alcoholic drunk that wants to keep drinking. If you've ever seen anybody like that, like they're wasted and they get, they just want more, right? And they can't sober up even if they wanted to. And if you try to take their drink from them, they actually get angry and hostile towards you. And our flesh, our sinful nature, uh, can't and does not want to please God. Doesn't want to. Our flesh is the sin addict. It can't please God does not want to please God. It would rather stay addicted to its own sin rather than, and stay in that place of death than find sobriety in life in the spirit. And the reason is because our sinful nature, our flesh cannot please God, doesn't want to. This is not an issue of willpower. It's not an issue of won't. It's more of an issue of can't. It's this issue of defiance against God. It would rather have death than life, okay? And our, and our sinful nature shows up in our attempts at being God. And most of these attempts are obvious to us, like some of the things I just said. You know, porn, drunkenness, getting high, rage, abuse, neglect. But if we think stopping these things is what it means to live a life in the Spirit, we're not thinking big enough, right? Paul's painting a much bigger picture than just sort of clean up. Because the flesh is not simply thinking or behavior, it's our nature. 
It's who we are. We're hostile to God. We're incapable of pleasing God. And that creates a big problem for us. Because here's the thing. The flesh can show up in all kinds of different ways. It can show up in us living however we want. right? So we can act like it's rush week at college. You know, get drunk, sleep around, be crass. You know, live wild, selfish lives. Rage on everyone. Uh, maybe even listen to Nickelback, right? That's easy, right? We know that's bad stuff. We just know it. Um, somebody said maybe Hoobastank could be going there too. Um, that's easy, but most people get that aspect of living in the flesh. They know that's just wrong. Uh, but the other way the flesh shows up is when it tries to build us up. It tries to serve ourselves instead of God, to replace God with us. Right? Our attempt at living a good life can function as a savior so we don't need God. And this will be our default if we think religion or Jesus or however we would want to say that is really about bad people getting a little help and becoming good people. Right? And so what I mean by that is this. So, so an example of this would be there are a lot of men in here who are probably way better dads than me. Way better. Right? I have four kids. I love my kids, but I am far, far, far from being the perfect dad. Uh, there are times where I get upset with my kids and I lose my temper with them. But there are other dads who are like these beautiful pictures of being calm, collected, cool. Nothing rattles them. So an example of that would be, let's say me and this other dad, we walk into a room and our kids have got access to crayons and paint. And it looks like a graffitied subway tunnel, right? In a home, right? I will probably lose my mind. I'm just going to say, I, I will probably come unglued and be pretty upset. Where this other dad, he might say, hey guys, you know, I love your artistic expression. Thank you, Jesus. You know, but um, can you give me those paints and crayons and maybe we can do this someplace else, but love your creativity. That would not be me. I would have like this volcano going on inside of me, and I would probably have a meltdown, and I'd have to uh, ask Jesus to forgive me, right? That's just how I am. Uh, but if we're talking about his goodness, he's way better than me. He's probably a better friend than me. I would guess he recycles. He probably <laughs> pets stray dogs, and he helps old ladies across the street which I don't do many of those things, right? But he does, because he's a good, nice, sweetie pie. Like, he's a good guy, all right? But what Paul is saying is that if that sweetie pie guy has not confessed his sin and placed his hope and his trust in Jesus, then he's spiritually dead, right? He's dead. That's what Paul is saying here, all right? The sinful nature wants to make much of itself, Right? The flesh wants to be independent and strong, uh, not needing anything, right? Very independent, not even needing God. The flesh in its thinking says this, hey, I'm a great person, and this Jesus thing isn't for me. I'm glad that Jesus thing works for you. I don't need it. I've got things figured out, but good for you. Don't push that on me. I'm a good guy. I don't need Jesus. Right? And Tim Keller in his book on the prodigal God, puts it this way. He says, it's only when you see the desire to be your own Savior and Lord, 
lying beneath both your sins and your moral goodness, that you were on the verge of becoming a Christian indeed. When you realize that the antidote to being bad is not just being good, you are on the brink, right? There's some truth to that. The flesh opposes and is hostile to Jesus by saying, I don't need you. I will live my life however I want. If I want to live immoral, I will. If I want to be moral, I will. But either way, I don't need you. Right? That way of living and thinking leads to death. The flesh is death, but there is life in the spirit. So can I just ask you guys, before we move on to the spirit in us, are there areas of your life where you're still living in the flesh? Are there areas in your mind and in your thinking where you're not willing to follow Jesus that far? Because right? verse 6 tells us that fleshly thinking leads to death, and verse 8 tells us that in the flesh we cannot please God. And it's true, we know this, that our flesh lies to us. It promises us, you know, uh, peace and joy, but it doesn't end up panning out. That way actually leads to death. It leads to death. And what would it look like for you to be... Uh, to move from living in the flesh to living in the spirit and follow Jesus wherever he calls you. What would that look like for you? Because starting in verse 9, Paul is going to show us a different way, that we don't have to live in that place of the flesh, but actually that we can live in the spirit, and in the spirit there's life. So that's where the spirit in us. And so we're kind of in the flesh, but then we have the spirit in us. And that's where we see the gospel take place. It's where we see change happen. That's where we see ourselves go from death to life. And so look with me in verse 9. He says this, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit's life because of righteousness... If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. All right, so the, the spirit wants to make much of Jesus. Where the flesh wants to make much of itself, the spirit wants to make much of Jesus. Let me just pause here for a minute. Uh, for those who might be new to the Bible, uh, let me just unpack what Paul means when he says the spirit. Uh, The Bible teaches that God is one essence, three different people. So you got God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. One God, three persons. And Jesus promises his disciples that he will send a helper to them, God the Spirit, to convict of sin and point to him, to point to Jesus. That's the Spirit's job. Sort of the, the economy of the Spirit is the Spirit points us to Jesus. So the Spirit shows us that we're weak, and that we're in need of a Savior. And we go from being dead to being alive, right? to being empty, to being filled with the Spirit. And here's what happens in the life of the believer. At one time, you were living and thinking according to the flesh, a way of life that led to death, believing yourself to be your own God and Savior. But then the Spirit shows up, right? The Spirit shows up points you to Jesus, and you turn from trusting and hoping in yourself to be your own God and Savior, and you trust in Jesus to be your God and Savior. That's the role of the Spirit. 
Right? And then in verse 10, Paul says this, But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. So this means that our bodies will one day die because of sin in the world. But we have something greater than that. We have eternal life in the spirit. So our sinful nature, right, our flesh has been put to death. And it's dead. And the spirit of Jesus himself is living in you, bringing new life, new desires, new passions for Jesus and his kingdom. And because the spirit is in you, you now have true life. Right? And now you're filled with his spirit. The same spirit that raises Jesus from the dead is living in you. And now you're starting to experience a little bit of a resurrection yourself. Just like the spirit brings Jesus up from the dead. The spirit in us is bringing us from death to life. And we see that when we begin to experience these new desires, new passions, new behaviors, new thinking. Not because of what you did. Right? Not because of what you did, but because what the Spirit has done and is doing in you. Right? Uh, we don't have new life because we've cleaned up our act. We have new life because Jesus has accomplished uh, what he did through his life, death, and resurrection. And now his Spirit has breathed new life into us. So we've looked at how sort of fleshly thinking leads to death. We've looked at how the Spirit has arrived in our hearts and breathed new life into us. And now we're going to look at the battle that we fight. All right? So flesh leads to death. Spirit in us brings life. And now we look to the battle we fight. All right? So there's a war. That's still, uh, the war has been won, but we still have battles. And the only way we can really battle well is if we have a Spirit-filled fight. So look at me. Or look with me at verses 12 and 13. It says, So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So we either live according to the flesh or to the Spirit. Paul's laying that out. And if you're a believer, right, the Spirit lives in you. And now Paul moves us to the Spirit filled fight. And Paul says we owe the flesh nothing. We're not in debt to it. It hasn't done anything for us. In fact, we should be hostile and angry and aggressive toward it because it wants to kill us. Right? We shouldn't live according to it. It's our enemy. Uh, and the way of our fleshly living leads to death. But then he says, if we live by the spirit, we will have life and we will, he says this phrase here, put to deeds the death, uh, Put to death the deeds of the body and you will live, right? What's that mean? Put to death the deeds of the body. Uh, there was an old Puritan who, who put it this way, John Owen. He says this, be killing sin or sin will be killing you, right? This picture of like, there, there's really no neutral ground here, right? If we don't get aggressive and hostile and almost angry towards our flesh and our sin, uh, if we're passive towards it, it will creep up and get us. So let me be very clear uh, before we go into killing sin, what it means to put to death the deeds of the body. It's not how we're saved. Right? Trying to live a good life, living a holy life, is not how you become right with God. That is not it. Um, you aren't right with God by defeating sin in your own strength. Right? Your strength and your efforts to get right with God, apart from the work of the Spirit, is actually what the flesh does. 
right? What the Spirit does is point you towards the person and work of Jesus and what he did through his life, death, and resurrection to make you right with God. And then the Spirit empowers you to fight well, right? To, to put to death the deeds of the body, the Spirit in you. So we do that not as a source of our strength, but we do it because what the Spirit's done, he empowers us to fight well, right? And so what happens in the life of the believer is that their flesh, their sinful nature is put to death, and now they are alive in the Spirit. And what happens, though, is the flesh tries to rise up again, right? And we've experienced that. That's that battle I talked about at the very beginning, where we have this one step forward, two steps back. That's our flesh trying to rise up again. And Paul is saying we, we need to kill that through the power of the Spirit. We enter the Spirit-filled fight. And so the question becomes, how do we do that? How do we do that? First off, we need to change our thinking from thinking in the flesh to thinking in the spirit. Uh, Paul starts off this passage uh, by saying that those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. The battle we face between uh, what we want to do and what we should do so what we want to do versus what we should do actually begins in the mind. It begins in our, in our thinking, which leads to our living. All right? And then later in the book of Romans, uh, Paul is going to say that we need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. So for the Christian, this is where the Bible, the Word of God, shows up tremendously. Uh, we do that. We change our thinking by hearing the Word, by preaching the Word to ourselves, by preaching the gospel to ourselves, calling attention to it. All right? We can't underestimate the power of the word in our lives as Christians. It's like I grew up as a church kid, and I walked away from following Jesus in my 20s. And one of the things I noticed, and as I've talked to other people who have had similar uh, stories of growing up in the church, kind of walking away and coming back, was all of us neglected the Bible in our lives. Right? We stopped reading it. Uh, we stopped hearing it in the sermons. We stopped thinking about it, which made it so much easier for us to just kind of walk on out and walk away from our faith and a community of believers. Uh, another way that we put to death the deeds of the body is sharing our life with each other, right? Sharing our life with other believers to share struggles, to confess sins, and to walk with each other. At City Light, we want people to have a Savior to believe in and a family to belong to. That's why I'd encourage you to get involved in a city group. That's part of that, to be a part of a family. And one of the ways that the deeds of the body shows up is by trying to isolate us, right, and seclude us from the rest of, of other believers. And so if we want to continue to put to death the deeds of the body, we need fellow believers to walk life with, to share our struggles, to confess sins to, right, and kind of expose ourselves to the light. Uh, I have a group of guys that I've been with for years. Now, we're all over the country, uh, but we stay connected. We call each other. We kind of check in with each other. We confess sin with each other. And a few weeks back, I remember I got up early one morning, and um, I, I don't know if you've ever experienced where you just you get up and you're a little cranky. Well, I was cranky that morning, and uh, I probably wasn't, I, there's no probably, I wasn't kind to my wife. I wasn't kind to my kids. I just kind of snap in. Um, short-tempered. I had a short fuse that day. And later, uh, the Spirit convicted me of that. I went to Sarah and I said, Han, I'm sorry. That was wrong. That was sinful of me. Um, apologized to my kids. 
I asked for their forgiveness. But what I also did was, one of those guys that I was just talking about, I called him up and I said, hey man, I just, I lost it this morning with my family. You know, I was just angry. I was short-tempered. Uh, I was not kind to them. And so I'm just asking, I've asked them to forgive me. I've asked God to forgive me. I'm asking you to forgive me. And he said to me, Jason, you are forgiven and you are loved, right? And it was this beautiful picture of him just kind of entering into that with me. And as I'm trying to kill the deeds of the body in my own life, I had a friend who came along beside me. And then he says to me, uh, thank you so much for calling me and confessing that. I have some things I need to confess to you. And so what happened was we end up walking that together, killing sin in our own lives together. Um, Another example of putting to death deeds of the body is that almost every godly man I know has content filters on their home computers, uh, their laptops, their phones, right? And these guys are taking seriously this idea of putting to death deeds of the body. They're going to kill sin before sin kills them, right? They're taking these precautions and they're prepared ahead of time. They're not going to wait for temptation to show up, right? So in their thinking, they've already gone way ahead and prevented this from becoming an issue later by putting these content filters on their phones. So confession to godly men, adding content blockers on our, you know, our digital devices, it's not legalism, and it's not a way for us to get right with God. What it is, is it's taking initiative and in putting to death the deeds of the body through the spirit and killing sin. And so it's like there is a battle that's going on between living and thinking in the flesh and living and thinking in the spirit. The flesh leads to death. The spirit leads to life. And for those who have not surrendered their life to Jesus, that's a life that ends in death. Our performance, our good deeds, our moralism amounts to nothing if it's not fueled by the spirit and led by the spirit. And the good news for the believer is that the spirit's in us. The spirit is what has drawn us to Jesus. So as we continue this fight, uh, it's not necessarily in our strength. I mean, there's work for us to do. But it doesn't hinge on us. The, the gospel is not just the ABCs, right? But it's the A to Z of the Christian life. The Spirit still empowers us. The gospel still is motivation for us to fight well. And it's our source of strength. So uh, let me tell you a story about a lady in Pittsburgh who has fought well. Uh, her name's Chrissy. And the first time Chrissy met my wife, Sarah, uh, our church was in a neighborhood in Pittsburgh. And we had an event there, and I think some people blocked her driveway. And so Chrissy shows up to talk to Sarah, uh, a little inebriated, and using a lot of F-bombs. Right? So that was their first encounter, right? And that was the area we ministered in. It wasn't the Midwest. All right. So, but months later, Chrissy actually, she stops drinking. And by some miracle of God's grace, she ends up, uh, through, I believe, some mutual friends, helping Sarah with our kids because Sarah was pregnant with twins at the time. We had a three-year-old and a two-year-old. And Chrissy shows up to help us, you know, basically help Sarah, you know, get the kids ready for bed, give them baths, uh, feed them. And they formed a friendship over those months. And then the, the twins are born and she still hangs out with us. She almost becomes a, a part of our family. And uh, our daughter, Sadie, who might have been maybe two or three at the time, says, Chrissy, won't you come to church with us? And she does. So a few weeks later, Chrissy gives her life to Jesus, right? She hasn't been drinking, right? Yes, that's, that's amazing, yeah. And uh, 
Then about a year later, she uh, invites her husband around, and him and I become good friends. He's one of my best friends. And then I get to baptize Chrissy and her husband, Mike, right, which was fantastic. But Chrissy's fought well, right? She has fought well. She knows the deeds of her body. She knows that she's an alcoholic. And so we, uh, we got wings one night, and she ordered them for us. She said, guys, I cannot step foot in that bar to pick the wings up. You're going to have to go yourselves. Right, Because if I go in there to a place where I have history and memories and old feelings, like it's just not good for me to go there. So she knows her fight. She knows how to put to death the deeds of her body. And I'm proud of her because over the course of these years, she's remained sober. She's went from drinking every day to not drinking at all, from being far from God to surrendering her life to Jesus. She reads her Bible regularly. She still drops F-bombs, but not as much. And I'm going to count that as a win, right? Yes. And so, and she pointed her husband to Jesus, right? That's a win. So see, like, imagine with me what it would look like if we thought and lived by the Spirit and not by the flesh. Imagine how different our lives would be if we lived out of a place of being filled with the Spirit and we fought the fight well, not by white-knuckling and just trying harder, but because we're we're empowered by the Spirit. I believe we would see victory over addictions and behaviors and attitudes, and I think we would see progress and growth in our love for Jesus, and not just influence on our own lives, but influence of those around us. I believe we would see lives changed, and not just, I think we could see a city changed. Amen? Uh, Pray with me. Jesus, we thank you so much for the gift of your church. Thank you that you sent your spirit to free us from death that the the flesh brings. And I pray that we would uh, be filled with your spirit. That those of us who have not surrendered our lives to you, that your spirit would draw us to you and that we would surrender to you. And I pray for those of us who are believers, who who are wanting to grow in our love for you and our dedication to you, uh, to love you and be on mission, that we would not do that through our own willpower, not through just white knuckling, not just trying harder, but that we would actually fight the flesh that wants to uh, show up by the power of your spirit. May we know you are good, and may the gospel motivate us to love you and love others well. And I pray that city groups would be a place where people could be honest and transparent and find healing and life and a family. And that through city groups, we would change our city. I ask this in your name. Amen.